The following message is from the audio teaching library of the Briarwood Pulpit, a ministry of the Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. Our speaker is Dr. Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church. It is our hope and prayer that this message will equip and encourage you in your walk with Christ, and as a result, you will be used by our Lord as an instrument of change to further His kingdom and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reeder. If you're able, please remain standing while children make their way to Children's Church to my left. If you will make your way in your Bibles to Acts 20, if you want to use the Pew Bible in visiting with us, feel free to use the Pew Bible and even to take that Bible with you if you don't yet have one. The rest of you, if you'll make your way to Acts chapter 20 and join me in this wonderful text that is Paul's closing sermon after three years of ministry to the Ephesus at Ephesus to the elders of the church at Ephesus. It starts in verse 17, but in your hearing, I am going to read verses 31 through 35, just a selection from it this morning. Now, if you look with me in Acts chapter 20, and again, the sermon begins in verse 17, this charge to the elders. But I'm only going to read for our focus this morning, verses 31 through 35. Would you look with me at God's word, inspired, inerrant, and infallible. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone. With tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this manner, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. The grass withers, the flower fades, God's word abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may his word be preached for you. Please be seated. Well, there were many things that... um, I knew coming to be the pastor at Briarwood 20 years ago, I know I knew that would be somewhat challenging for me. And one of those was the elders and deacons set me aside and told me about every member canvas that we now call every member commitment. Although we do have next Sunday is our canvas Sunday for those who have not committed, perhaps uh, you just want to uh, visit from an elder or deacon and you want to uh, perhaps uh, have some questions answered or whatever. So um, so uh, but we every member commitment that is a season of the year that the elders and deacons prior to budgeting for the next year for the congregation to pray through their stewardship of their time, their talents and their treasure. And uh, so I knew we did that. Uh, and um, let me tell you that uh, at first it was a little intimidating because we didn't do that at Christ's Covenant where I serve. 
Uh, but I will tell you this. After the first two to three years, if I could go back and redo it, we would be doing it at Christ's Covenant. Let me tell you why. I've become very grateful for this season for a couple of reasons. Now, I know in the preaching of the word, we're going to deal with the issue of stewardship uh, as we work our way through passages of Scripture, because it's built throughout the Bible. But to be able to take a season, a moment, a couple of weeks and look at this issue um, became somewhat something that, first of all, was personally gratifying to me to be able to sit down, Cindy and I, and to think through, OK, how let's do some evaluation in this commitment. How are we doing with our time? Are we prop, are we starting at the first place of effectiveness, the Lord's Day? And then what are we doing with the other days? And are we wasting time, precious time that we only get one shot at? When a day's done, it's done. Redeeming the time. And I was so grateful for that personally. I was grateful for that to be able to teach it to my children as well as Cindy and I to walk through it. I was grateful for it to look at my talents. Not many on the uh, physical side of things, but spiritual talents and spiritual gifts. Am I taking my time to invest my talents in a way that extends the kingdom of God as a steward? And then what about our resources? What can we do? You know, the Apostle Paul in this text greatly convicts me. (laughs) He talks about how he was selfless in the ministry in order that he might give to the spiritually poor and the physically poor. He talked about how he had ordered his life according to necessities, not wants. I worked hard to handle the necessities of my life, and not only mine, but those that are with me. And he gives, and he calls others to give. And then he gives this statement, it's more blessed to give than to receive, as a quotation from Christ. So to be able to do this personally in my life, what are my priorities? Where am I at with my time, my talents? And how can we maximize our resources for the sake of the kingdom? So that was a blessing. It was a blessing to teach my children. So I thank the elders and deacons for calling for this. Now it's a blessing to watch my children teach their children and watch them work through the issues. As well as to see you pastorally, not only personally, but pastorally, it's a blessing. It's a blessing because I know this represents something. You see... The elders and deacons are calling us to look at our stewardship, every member commitment of our stewardship. And then as you give information to them, they then underneath the policies that they have put in place, which is not simply a church that ties, but a church that will take the resources that are given and over 50 percent will leave here for missions, benevolence, mercy, church planting, church revitalization, evangelism, discipleship, things, causes outside of here. Over 50 percent. The the policy is 50 percent, but it always ends up over once you do the alms offering at um, communion and faith promise giving and then the budget here. It, uh, it always ends up like that. What they do with anything that comes in addition at the end of the year. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that we have learned as a church to give, but we want to do so responsibly. So they're wanting to plan this with the information you have prayerfully sought before the Lord to bring your stewardship of time and talents and treasures to them. Let me give you another reason why I'm glad they've done it. 
I'm glad they've done it because it gives us a chance to focus on one of the most challenging but rewarding dimensions of discipleship, and that's stewardship. I've got a little sermon series that I'm working on. I don't know if and when I'll ever get an opportunity to preach it or write about it, but it's called the seven, the seven S's of the saved for their identity. There's a lot of conversation in this world in this day and time about identity. What is our identity? How do you identify? Well, the Christian identifies with Christ. But God gives us some identities as Christians, saved Christians. What are our identities? I call it the seven S's. Number one, he calls you to be a soldier. A soldier for Christ. You got a mission. You got a calling. Weapons of the Spirit. You've got a mission to achieve. He calls us soldiers. Secondly, He calls us servants. We are servants of Christ. Soldiers for Christ. Servants of Christ. Thirdly, we're sinners. Saved? Yes, but sinners. In fact, the Bible says if any man says he has not sinned, he's a liar and the truth is not in him. Fourthly, We're saints. We're sinners and saints. We are saints by the blood of Christ that has cleansed us, the righteousness of Christ that has clothed us, the spirit of Christ who has set us apart. Saints, sanctified, set apart to Christ. We're students. Study to show yourself approved as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. Sixthly, we're supplicants. We learn how to pray. He teaches us. How to make supplication. Seventhly, we're stewards. Now, brothers and sisters, it is my humble opinion that when we address the issue of stewardship, there are two things that I believe about this dynamic of discipleship that the Bible calls stewardship. Now, also, be patient with me. Y'all know that the elders have approved next year our ministry theme, Lifestyle Stewardship. So I'm going to be preaching a lot on this next year. (laughs) I don't know what that means to you, but that's what I'm going to be doing. And now I've got to do this one little sermon uh, on stewardship. And I've been studying for three months on this. You have no idea of how much I left on the cutting room floor trying to work through this this morning. Because I want to preach the whole thing. I want to preach on all next year. I mean, stewardship is pervasive. Stewardship is pervasive in every area of life. When you understand that God made everything, therefore God is the proprietary owner of everything. I own nothing. I only am put in charge. And the last thing I want to be is the prodigal. When the father gave him his inheritance, he abused it and misused it. As we say, wine, women, and song. In riotous living. God, what does it mean for you to have made everything, entrusted some things to us, and for me to use it, ordered my steps by your word? What does that mean? That whole dimension of stewardship. Well, I look forward to going through this with you next year. But uh, but here, just today, I want us to at least think about these two opinions I have about stewardship. Here's the first one. Other than worship. This element of of discipleship, stewardship, other than worship, 
I believe, I believe is the most, this element of discipleship we call stewardship, other than worship, brings more focus and more attention to the gospel in our lives than any other dimension. Now, worship is dependent upon you understanding the gospel, being motivated by the gospel, and being changed from self-absorption to God giving God glory. Other than worship, I believe stewardship. Our giving is a reflection of what we think has been given to us in the gospel. Our giving is framed, the contours of stewardship are directly dependent upon our understanding and embrace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to know, what, let, me put it, let me put it on the other side. If you want to know what we really think about the gospel, all you have to do is look at our stewardship. It's a reflection of it. It is framed by it. It is motivated by our understanding of the gospel. And what the gospel means to us will show up in our stewardship and how we embrace that dynamic of stewardship. Let me give you another opinion. Other than evangelism, there is no other dynamic in discipleship. Other than evangelism, there is no other dynamic in discipleship that is more challenging to begin and more delightfully rewarding once it's been embraced than stewardship. Other than per I know how tough it is to start sharing the gospel with people, personal evangelism. But once you do, isn't it rewarding? Are any of y'all doing that? Other than evangelism, I don't know any other element of discipleship beyond stewardship itself that is more challenging to begin, hard to get started. All of the in the all of the old man and the cultural currents are headwinds against stewardship. It's challenging to begin, but once you do, there's very little that is more delightful in the Christian life than stewardship of this time and talents and treasure. Well, what I would ask you to do is to take a look at this text with me and let's see what Paul gives us. Now, you see Paul's stewardship, selfless, giving, working hard, taking what he works, not for self-promotion. He works, he has a budget built around necessities. You see all of that, but... Then he gives us this quote from Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me ask you a question. Where is that quote come from? Does anyone know? Where does it come from? Please say, I don't know. Because you won't find it in the Gospels. So where did Paul get it? Because he's clearly quoting Jesus. He himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Where do you get it? I think you got three possibilities. Let me give you three possibilities. Number one, he got it from the apostles who heard it from Jesus and they communicated it to him. You know, Paul had trips to Jerusalem in which he intermingled with the apostles. Perhaps they had heard Jesus say it. Now, what's interesting is none of those who wrote the Gospels 
were moved by the spirit to include it in the Gospels. Whenever Jesus said it, I believe he said it because Paul says he says it, said it. But whenever he said it, I have no idea because the Gospels never quote him as having said it. But Paul tells us he did say it. Well, if Jesus said it, then the apostles must have heard it. How would Paul have known about it? Well, let me suggest the apostles heard it. And while they were not moved by the spirit to put it in the Gospels, they were moved in the discipleship of Paul to give it to him. And the Holy Spirit moved him to give it to us in Acts 20. And that was the plan of how to get this quote of Jesus to you. Now, this wouldn't be unusual, would it? Two times in the Gospel of John, John 21, 25, we're told that many things Jesus said. And if we recorded them all, the whole world would not be able to contain the books. So there was not only this quote, but many other quotes. So one possibility is Jesus said it. It's not recorded in the Gospels, but the apostles who heard it gave it to Paul and Paul, inspired by the Spirit, records it for us here and used it in his teaching and discipling ministry. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, let me give you a second part is that this really wasn't a quote. This is a distillation or a summation. You remember what you just did in the in Matthew? You just did a confession from Matthew chapter 10. In which he said, what, what does it say in Matthew 10 as Jesus sends his disciples out on this ministry to uh, Israel? The initial uh, movement of the gospel first to the house of Israel. He sent them out. He said, now don't depend, don't, don't build your budget on what you want. Just go out, be ready to give up everything. And then he said this, freely you have received, freely shall you give. That's about as close to it as I can find. Freely you've received, freely shall you give. And then you take that and you join it with Luke chapter 6. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, overflowing. Full measure. So maybe what Paul has done is aware of these two teachings of Jesus, put them together in a distillation and a summation, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Thirdly, let me give you a third possibility. The Bible tells us, Paul informs us, that part of his training as an apostle was done by Jesus with him personally in the wilderness for three years. Maybe that's where he gave it to him. That Jesus gave the quote then to him. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So, Pastor, what do you think? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked. I'll go ahead and tell you what I think. I don't think the answer is number two. I don't think it was a distillation and a summation because it's not given as a distillation and a summation. It's given as a direct quotation. The Lord himself said, and then it's a quotation that's given, not a summation or a distillation of a series of talks Jesus gave. So I don't think it's number two. Number three, I don't think it's number one, number three. I mean, number two. Secondly, I don't think it's number three. Secondly, I don't think it's number three that is uh, given in the wilderness. Could have, but I don't think so, because 
it seems to the way Paul refers to it, it seems to be some people must have been around to hear it because he said, did not he himself say, did not he himself. In other words, not something that just privately came to Paul. The report of what Jesus said was out there. So I think it's number one. I think it's something that Jesus said in his ministry that the apostles communicated to Paul and the Holy Spirit implanted upon his heart and became a part of the way that he discipled in the area of stewardship to tell us, listen, when I talk to you about giving, whether it's your time or your talents or your treasure or whatever it is, I want you to remember something. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, what is he saying? What is Jesus saying? First of all, let me ask you a question. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Well, six of you do. And one of you is my wife. Maybe if I say it this way. Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you believe that? Well, I got a better report. You want to know if you believe that? Go look at your calendar. Go look at the record of the Lord's days. Go look at your checkbook. You can find out what you believe is more blessed. Just take a look. This is one of those things that's pretty easily measured. (laughs) And this is one of those things that sometimes reveals a confessional faith that doesn't show up with an operational faith. It's an area that God has convicted me of throughout the years and was hard to get started. But boy, do we love it now. So what is this statement from Jesus saying? Let me give you three things he's saying, three affirmations he's making. Number one, the first affirmation is this. Receiving is a blessing. Receiving from the Lord in your life is a blessing. Did you receive Jesus? That's a blessing. Did you receive salvation? That's a blessing. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? That's a blessing. Did you receive a paycheck? That's a blessing. Well, no, wait a minute, Harry. I worked for that. Oh, you did? And who gave you the strength to work for it? Who gave you the skills to work for it? Who gave you the opportunity with a job to work for it? Who is it but the Lord who in creation, redemption and providence gives and gives and we receive and receive and receive? Folks, I want you to learn. I know many of you have. I'm not, listen, I understand that. This is just a general exhortation, probably more to me than you. you got to learn to receive. People that can't receive, it's usually one of two reasons. You don't receive because you don't think there's anything to receive. You think you're entitled to it to begin with. We actually have a different catechism. We don't have a catechism that starts with what is the chief end of man to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We have a catechism that begins this way. What is the chief end of God to give me what I want? Therefore, we can't receive because we think we're entitled and you never know the joy of thanksgiving.
the beginning point of stewardship, the giving of thanks. Secondly, some of us don't receive and don't get the blessing of receiving and rob other people of the blessing of giving because of our pride and our arrogance. I'm just not going to be beholden. Can I just clue you in on this? You're already beholden to a dad and a mom, to the God of glory, to Christ. You're already beholden. Say no to pride. Say no. I understand the issue of self-respect. That's another issue. But say no to pride. Say no to arrogance so that you can know the blessing of receiving. Receiving is a blessing. Learn how to receive. Not entitlement. Not pride. How to receive. To praise God from whom all blessings flow. Secondly. Second affirmation from the text. Giving is a blessing. Not only is receiving a blessing, giving is a blessing. My favorite illustration of this, I'm actually beholden to, uh, to Bruce on this one, who kind of gave me the challenge thinking through it. That was about three or four years ago. We were thinking about, you remember when Jesus fed all the multitudes, 4,000, 5,000, remember that? Remember, in each case he used what? Fishes and loaves. And, by the, and that was just counting the men. So we're talking about feeding probably eight, nine thousand people. And then you remember when the little boy comes up and what, I got I got two, I got five loaves and two fishes. And the Lord blessed it as I'm about to do at the end of this service in just a few moments. I am going to bless. Uh, bring, ask the Lord's blessing on your every member commitment. Well, he blessed it. And guess what happened? Now you know why we sing that song that I learned to sing. My granddaddy taught me. Little is much when God is in it. Two fishes, five loaves fed everybody. We had left over 12 baskets. What an astounding thing. Do you think that little boy went home and said, Mama, you wouldn't believe what happened. They took my bread and fishes. I had fish and chips. And you know what they did to me? They took it. You think that's what he did when he went home? Mama, I know you, sit down, Mama. You are not going to believe what happened to those five loaves and two fishes. And he was overflowing with joy. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Giving is a blessing. I don't know about you, but when we go through our national missions conference, And knowing our every member commitment season is coming, I'm listening through a certain filter. I'm listening to those church planters tell me about what they're doing. And I know they got blessed through your giving. And you get blessed hearing what's happening. I know when I get that report from uh, Jim Alexander last year. And this isn't even counting all of campus outreach. Of the over 1,000 professions of faith to our board-directed ministries, I get blessed all over. I get blessed all over the place. When I take that trip out to Bibb County Prison, I just get blessed. There is unbelievable blessings that come in giving. And that means, number three, giving Gives blessings. Giving is a blessing. Here's number three. Receiving is a blessing. Giving is a blessing. 
Thirdly, giving gives blessings. Because of your giving, of your time, your talents, and your treasure, blessings are going out to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where that church was being planted. You heard him two weeks ago. Detroit, where that church is being planted. Connecticut, where that church is being planted. All of these tough places where the church is being planted. Campuses where we're going. Medical communities that are hearing the gospel. Business communities that are being reached with the gospel. Children that are being trained in the, in the blessing of this blessing, this giving is not only a blessing, this giving gives blessings to others who are receiving it and the consequences of it. And then that giving that's giving a blessing brings even more blessings because those who have been given, they start giving and the whole thing gets multiplied. It's geometric. It is astounding. That's why my little got much in it, because God's in it and God's using it in ways that is beyond our comprehension. Every once in a while, he'll let us just get a little report. Let me give you a couple of blessings that you get when you give. Just I'll just take the tithe. Now, I understand the discussion of the tithe, and I'll deal with the tithe and show you from the Bible. The tithe was not something just in the Mosaic ceremonial law. It goes back to the creation. It goes back to the patriarchs. It comes to Moses. It goes to the prophets, and then it comes. In fact, God says this to us. He makes an astounding statement. Will you rob me? Now, what if God asked you that question? What would you say? No. So what does God say? Then why do you not bring my whole tithe into the storehouse. Why do you not do it? You see, God is the owner. And God, when he brings something to me, gives me the way to start. It's called the tithe. I really appreciate Randy Alcorn's analysis. The tithe is God getting us started in the financial arena of stewardship. And they're God's training wheels. Here's how you get started. But boy, we sure need to hear it right now. I'm not talking about Briarwood. I'm just talking about general survey. Just read. Do you know what the tithe rate is among evangelical? I'm not talking about mainline churches, evangelical professing churches. Do you know what the tithe survey said? Three point two percent of professing evangelical Christians tithe. That means almost 97% regularly rob God every Lord's Day. Now, am I saying that or is Jesus, did God say that? Listen, I'm just, I have got to be faithful to God's word. You don't rob Peter to pay Paul and you don't rob God to pay Peter and Paul. That's what is before us. But look, can I go to the positive side of this? When I'm giving... And bringing the tithe to the storehouse, I am bringing an act of worship before the Lord. It is an act of worship. Secondly, 
God even made it an element of worship. Do you know why we receive? Now, I understand online giving. I understand why people do it. I, here's my problem with it. I understand why I do not. It is not unspiritual to use online. I understand retired people. I understand this and that and the other. I understand all of that. And I'm grateful for what our deacons are doing to make it accessible and how they're going to be telling all that to you. But here's what pains my heart is I know there's one moment in every worship service when you place that tithe and stand and give praise to God. You're telling God you got the first tenth because you got the other nine tenths. And this tells you you got me. You not only own everything, you own me. Praise God. I want to tell you that I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. Glorify God. And this is one way we get the moment to do it. I had a guy call me that was planting the church and he said to me, he said, well, pastor, I, we're not going to we don't we don't take up we don't take up the offering because we don't want people to think we're there for their money. And uh, so we let people just give on the way out. So what do you think about it? I kind of surprised him, I think. I said, well, I don't think much of it. He said, what? I said, that tells me not their problem. That tells me your problem for how you see the offering. You see the offering as a way for the church to get money. God sees the offering and says it's an element of worship. On the first day of the week, bring what you have set apart to give. This is not a moment for you to get money. That's why you hear Mr. Stalin say, let's worship God with his tithe and our offerings. This is the worship of God. It's a sacred moment. It is an act of worship. It is an element of worship. It requires preparation. You can't bring the first if you've already squandered it. And that requires prioritization. The first day, the first of the offerings that requires conviction, preparation, prioritization. The key for me was this for whatever I meant. Listen, nobody here had a harder time in this area of financial stewardship and then learning uh, time stewardship and then learning talent stewardship. Nobody had a bigger challenge than me. But here was the key for me. The first one was this love to Christ. It wasn't that I was just going to get blessed if I gave. It was I needed to give because of what I have received. The love of God in Christ. So it was for me getting clarified with the gospel that brought my stewardship. I realized my lack of stewardship was betraying my lack of belief that all that I have, I had received. And then that led to anticipation of what God would do with it. Because if he says, test him, he'd tell, he, that's the only, he says, do not test the Lord except for one exception. And that's in this area of his tithe, bringing into the storehouse. So then I got anticipation. Then I started to hear of its effects. Then I started to hear of how the Lord was doing it and what the Lord was doing with it. And that began to get me pretty excited about it. And that's what I long for you. So let me get to the takeaway. Here it is. Here's the takeaway for you. Lifestyle stewardship is a blessing from God that continually allows a Christian to, number one, be blessed by Christ through the gospel. The gospel gets more and more real to you as you exercise stewardship. 
as because it's only the gospel that will motivate you, that will drive you, that will empower you, that will excite you to it. Secondly, it is it is um, it is because it would be the it allows you to be a blessing for Christ with the gospel to others. So I invite you. Take a look at it. Let's look at that financial area. I don't want to show up on Sunday and sometimes tip God. Nor do I want to have a view that God owns 10 percent and I own 90 percent. I want to understand God is the proprietary owner and he has entrusted this to me. I do not want to be like the prodigal where it's all about me. I want to tell God from the beginning with his tithe, it's all about him. So I invite you to the journey. It's a hard dynamic of discipleship to start. But once you do, you get excited. In fact, can I do it this way for you? I just jotted down from my life, my profile in stewardship. Maybe you find yourself somewhere in these seven steps. Step number one, after I became a Christian. And Cindy kept saying to me, honey, have you ever thought about the tithe? Of course, she came out of the womb tithing. But uh, she said, have you ever thought about the tithe? Here's what I said. Honey, there's no way we can do this. It's impossible. There is no way we can do this. I used to say that. I used to say that. There's no way we can do this. Now I believe there's no way I can't do it. There's no way we can do this. I just can't do it. That moved me to conviction over a period of time. Here was my second step. I'm going to start doing this, but I'm really not going to do this. I'm just going to do something that looks like this. Does that make sense? I'm convicted. I ought to be giving. So I'm going to do this tithe thing. So I'm going to figure out a way that looks like I'm doing the tithe thing, but I'm not really doing the tithe thing. But everybody will think that I'm a tithe thing, and maybe Cindy will be quiet. So the way I did it was $10. Ten, tithe, tenth. See, honey, I'm doing a $10 gift. And then, of course, she, double major math, explained to me that was not a tithe. So I went from no way we can do this to conviction. Let me figure out a way to look like I'm doing it, even though I'm not really going to do it. To number three. Okay, okay, I know God calls me to do this. God calls me to test him. We'll try it this year. That led me to step number four. Wow. Honey, don't forget to tithe this year. That led me to step five. Incredulousness. Incredulity. Honey, I can't believe how blessed this is. I am really enjoying this and seeing what God does with it. That led me to number seven. Honey, can you believe what's happening? Let's make sure our kids learn about this tithe earlier than we did. And by the way, honey, what about that alms offering? What about faith promise? And oh, the joy of stewardship. 
hard to begin, but incomparable joy when it's been embraced. I invite you. See that the Lord is good. It's really more blessed to give than to receive. It's blessed to receive. But it's even more blessed to give than to receive. Let's take a few moments in prayer, would you? Maybe you could just hold your card right in front of you. Let me just, let's, you consecrate it. I know many of you have, uh, uh, maybe some of you want to change what you've got there, but many of you have come prepared. Just take a moment to pray over it. Lord, how can I not waste my life, but use my time wisely as a man, as a woman, as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a citizen of the kingdom, as a soldier, as a servant, as a saint, as a sinner saved, as a student of the word. God, help me take this glorious resource of time as a steward beginning with the Lord's day. And then these talents you've given me, and these spiritual gifts, and you've already uncovered them by giving me passions in my life. Where will my ministry be in the body of Christ? I'm a foot, I'm a hand, I'm a mouth, I'm an ear. Put me in that body. I'll bring myself to it. And God, I'll bring the whole tithe in worship. Here it is. I'll trust you. And I won't try to do it by seeing if it, the tithe is left over. It'll be first. Because you gave first to me that indescribable gift of your son. Just consecrate it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church, or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reeder, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.